Hello, and welcome to the Aaron Evans Podcast. This podcast is devoted to people who want to love, listen, and live a little better. I'll be sharing my musings as a life coach, a mother, a yogi, an entrepreneur, and I'll be interviewing some of the most inspiring people that I know that are leaving the world a little better than how they found it. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you want to stay in touch, you can follow me on Instagram at Aaron underscore Evans. Buckle up and thank you for tuning in. Most of the population is stuck in adolescence, asking what's in it for me? Do I fit in? Where will I go? And then something happens that shakes us awake a death, a breakup, a job loss, an injury, and we realize we've been sleepwalking through our lives. When something like this happens, it's an initiation into being an adult and making the world a better place by sharing our life experiences that almost broke us. I had the great pleasure of sitting with my next guest and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. He's a young man, but he is wise beyond his years. I heard the legend of this man before I actually met him. The first time I actually met him, we went river dipping. And so in his Australian accent, he says, my biggest fear is cold water. So I was expecting (laughs) him to freak out, to lose his cool. I was like, okay, Aaron, be prepared. This is going to be something else. And he got in the water. He didn't say a word. And he stayed just as long as the rest of us. So this is my absolute honor to welcome Josh Woods. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And Josh, what what I love about you is, first of all, I love making you laugh. I think you have the greatest laugh. (laughs) Uh, You have this juxtaposition that you are all tattooed and big and long hair, but you're so soft and kind. Yeah, it's all a front, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit about you. Basically, I was born in Sydney, Australia, and I lived and worked the whole nine to five life uh, from 18 onwards, and then discovered the snowboard life. And then since then I've been, for since 27 years old, now I'm 30, I've been just traveling the world snowboarding. And I finally found a place that I think I can settle in, which is kind of cool. So now I'm just trying to make Banff my forever home, I guess, or Canada for my forever home, I should say. Beautiful. Mountains, yeah. And you had a pivotal moment recently Mm. that we might say was an awakening. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I guess when I, in the summer, um, so around June, I had a bit of shock, I guess, that I discovered what depression was and what anxiety was. And I'd gone, luckily enough, gone my whole life without ever having to experience it. I'd had family with uh, sort of depression and anxiety and and like a loved one that I lived with for 10 years well sorry lived together for four years we were together for 10 years and she had really bad anxiety and depression and I never understood it um, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks in June and that was like a huge awakening of realizing that I had to do a lot of internal work because I'd always been so reliant on other people so I guess I'd been in relationships my whole adult life up until I was, I guess, like, yeah, 29 years old. I'd had, I was with, with um, my ex for 10 years, who so we were actually married. 
we so we were married we were together for 10 years and she's still to this day one of my best friends and we talk all the time um but yeah we got married and then realized our lives were going in very different directions so we didn't want to hold each other back so we did the adult thing i guess and tried to live our own lives and then pretty soon after that i, I met someone else who um, was also a great person who i'm also still very close with and we talk all the time and then we continued the snowboard life and then yeah, she left in, in June and then I kind of was the first time in my whole life I was on my own. Mm. So the, the loneliness or being alone with your own thoughts, it, yeah. it created something in you that you'd never looked at. Maybe no. not created, but... Yeah, I guess it like, it tapped into something like, at first I always asked the like, why is this happening to me? And then after doing all my research of like, because obviously I was lucky enough not to have the sort of depression where I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't actually want to be at home at all. And all I wanted was to not feel like this. So I listened to podcasts. I went hiking every day. I did like anything and everything I could to try and not, I don't want to say fix it because it wasn't broken, but just like better myself. And then, yeah, I, I fully uh, did the realization of that. It wasn't happening to me. It was happening for me. And that was huge. But it takes a lot to like let sort of certain things sink in. Mm-hmm. But you have to be, as uh, Scott Walker always says, you have to be radically open-minded. That's the best way to be in these situations. And do you mean like when the sadness hits, you have to be open-minded? I think it was more in the healing process. Mm-hmm. So rather than having the, sitting there and being like the whole, why is this happening to me? Or like getting down about it and being like, why me? Like, what have I done? Like, you have to just be like, okay, like, why is this? why is it happening for me? And then try and figure out like, what is this a sort of like a, a sign of, or is this an awake, like awakening? Like you said, like, is this a time to rebuild or is this a time of self-discovery or to discover for me, it was like self-love mm-hmm. to like understand that truly what that actually meant. Yeah. Cause I don't think I'd ever discovered the love for myself. It was always from a partner. So it was always someone telling me, Hey, you look great today. Oh, you're snowboarding so well today or whatever. All these, Uh, external motives to make me feel good when I realized that like I can do that myself I just have to learn how and how did it manifest for you you said I I didn't feel like I couldn't get out of bed how did you know you had a problem I don't even know how to explain it like when it got to a point where I realized I was like I would not wish this upon my worst enemy not that I have any enemies I'm not really like that but like (laughs) um still like I would never wish that kind of a pain someone it was like a such like an empty no purpose like no like there was nothing out there that could ever be good Mm. when I used to wake up and look out the window and I could see cascade that was my view but still I I just had this feeling of just not like empty like nothing yeah in in yoga philosophy we call Mm. them uh veils that prevent us from being in the present moment yes and one of them is the ego that just like so desperately wants validation where it feels small or it feels like super high yeah so what how did you heal when i was really bad my manager abby she actually booked me in to see a therapist which was i didn't have a choice in the matter and i guess at the time i was maybe being one of those classic males which i know a lot of people can relate to that we just go like no like you know the whole like i'm supposed to be strong i'm supposed to be there for other people because i'm this male figure or whatever but i was i was so broken and lost that i didn't know what i was supposed to do or who i was supposed to be or i had no idea it was like the universe had literally like hit me down so hard not like intentionally but like for a purpose right that 
it was like now is your time to like rebuild and figure out like you're now nothing ego's gone death of the ego i guess and then it was like who are you what are you what are you doing and mm. i was like oh shit i <laughs> have to figure this out like so yeah i guess booking me into the therapist and then the therapist helping me um unlock some tools to deal with like i was having horrific anxiety at the time like panic attacks where I'd even be at work and I'd like have to go downstairs and like sit in a corner and just breathe because I was like freaking out about all sorts of things like wow and never in your life did you ever have these never. voices wow never it was just all at once I, I think I've mentioned this before but my favorite speaker is a shaman and he says there comes a point where you have to fight for your own life yes and that is the moment when you wake up and 100%, he says, yeah. and this is what I've seen in you it's like you don't do it so that you can be famous or somebody will love you. You do it yeah. so that you teach other men, women, people how, how to, to get through it. it. Yeah. And I truly do feel that that was maybe my maybe purpose or whatever it is like that. It was like showing me that you're going to get through this. And then it was another side of it was being like, and you're going to help people get through this. Mm. It was like, I don't know, almost like because I was being so open about my mental health on social media, on on all sorts of platforms and talking to anyone who will listen about it. Like I didn't, I wasn't shy. Like, I guess at the start, I guess I didn't know what was happening. So I had, um, like some work friends actually mentioned to my manager, like not saying like in weird ways, they were just like, man, like Josh isn't being himself. And I'm kind of worried, like not in saying like, they were like, Oh, like, I don't want to work with him. He's being weird. It was more just like, they're my friends. Right. So they were saying like, well, I'm not sure what's going on with Josh, but maybe someone should ask him. Ugh. And that was huge. Like I cannot thank them enough to have put themselves out there like that, to mention it to my manager or who they're all my friends as well as just work colleagues. So that was huge to, to have that and then to have their support. And then even the same in summer, I was like, I'd go into work as a distraction. And then sometimes if I wasn't feeling it, they'd just be like, just go home. Like it wasn't like, oh, you have to be here till five. That's your schedule. It's like, just go home and do what you got to do. So that it's good having support in any way, shape or form. But the, the truth is, is that with mental health or depression, anxiety is like, no, no one's going to fix it for you. Like, or no one's going to be the one that's just going to flip the light switch. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. I think I thought for so long that I'd be able to wake up one day and just be like, oh, it's over. I'm better now. And then it wasn't until it really sunk in and made me realize that I was like, it's not a light switch. It's like a, it's a progressive thing. You have to work on it and you have to practice it mm -hmm. to, to want to be better. And you'll probably, this will be the story of your whole life. Like it's yeah. not over. No, not. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with my dad on the phone the other day and I guess from our parents' generation, they don't, they didn't quite deal with this like we do now. Um, it was kind of like a bit, especially in males, it was like a, no. You're the man of the house, you, you, you are there for everyone else. Like, and you know, no, just don't feel like that. Look what's around you. Like you, you live in a beautiful place. You have a great car, you whatever. Like, and it's like, that stuff doesn't matter, but that's how they dealt with it. It was like, I don't understand because you have everything, but, um, the material doesn't matter. It's the internal is what yeah. gets you. So I guess, yeah, like it was like a realization of being like, I have to deal with this myself and not the way my parents sort of dealt with it. And my dad on the phone, he sort of said to me like, 
also like you think you've gone out the other side now with it and i was like oh dad i don't know if it works like that but, you know, but like it was genuine he wasn't trying to like yeah but it just made me click i was like wow it's just a different way of thinking right mm-hmm. so have you ever heard about epigenetics no actually, okay no. so they they think sometimes that our that our pains are ancestral and it's stuff that your dad your grandfather never dealt with okay and now yeah. it's josh's to break that family i can lineage. totally believe that that kind of I've never had a relationship um, with my dad where we spoke about this kind of stuff at all. Like it's only recently that maybe dad opened up to me about um, maybe ways he was feeling in, in university and things like that. Obviously not on a level of maybe of what I was feeling, but he, it's the first time that we'd ever really spoken about anything to do with that. So my dad was always just that he'd come home from work and he was happy. How was your day? And he always put us first. He never put himself first. So um it was cool to see like you know to see him starting to open up and now starting to put himself first as well because i think i mean we're both learning from each other in that sense so that's pretty cool i guess and being so far from family as well when i started dealing with all this was just i was it was just me like my family's in australia so yeah was there a way that you tried to put a band-aid on it i started drinking a little bit i didn't want to be alone so i went out every night like not necessarily to drink more to just be like away from my own thoughts and be with people because I'm a very social person. I love being with people. Um, and I think for me, that was my band-aid. But the whole idea of it was trying to teach me that like you need to learn to be alone. And I just kept avoiding it. And then obviously alcohol is a depressant. So when you're in a state like that and drinking that much, it's never going to help. Mm-hmm. And it literally wasn't until same deal with my manager, Abby. She was like, Josh, you've been drinking every night. Do you think that's doing it? And it's like, sometimes it takes someone else to make you click and go like, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, damn it. Like, so yeah, I had to taper off. I did, um, I remember I did Sober October and that was, I've never had like a drinking problem or anything like that or any substance abuse, but um, I, doing that was actually like, it was really good. Yeah. Like, it was the best I felt that for the whole of October. So, so going back a little mm-hmm. bit, I'm so curious about this. What do you think is a man? Like, what is a man? Oh, wow. Um, I just, I don't know anymore. I feel like I've had such a like death of ego and death of the image of what you're supposed to be. That like, yeah, I just realized that I was like, I don't even remember what my expectations were or what I was supposed to be. I think maybe, maybe back a while, a while ago, I used to be, I had this image of being like, yeah, maybe this tattooed sort of somewhat tough guy who you know, I was always there for uh, my partner and she had anxiety and depression and I was just the strong one. I always had to be strong. Mm. So maybe maybe that was like an image of it, you know, being yeah. like the, the the anchor for people, like yeah. being that person to, for other people. But yeah. I also didn't realize that I was anchoring myself to them. So maybe, I guess the Whoa. idea of a man is like... Why the anchor on the neck? The reason I actually got the anchor or tattoo on my neck was because I really like traditional artwork i grew up around the sea i was a fisherman i was a surfer i love the ocean gives me a very similar feeling to the mountains dude there's a lot of energy there a lot of unknown a lot of uh humbling because you're very small in that sort of environment but it was actually funny you say that because i when i messaged um jess my tattoo artist that does it who's also lives in town here and she's an incredible person as well i sort of just said to her hey i just want one of your traditional pieces and i said i just want it nautical that's all i said but then she came up with this design and I was like, anchor. I was like, the anchor kind of fits. 
So it's really weird how the universe kind of puts that all together. And I've always said that I, I, I was always an anchor for people and I always anchored myself to people. And I've always had this thing around anchors. And then all of a sudden, that's what she came up with for my next Very so, cool. Yeah. The Rock always says everyone needs an anchor. And he, he's talking about, like, for him, it's the gym. But he's yeah, like, yeah. everyone needs something. Something to ground them. And yeah. for me, I think that's probably snowboarding, for mm-hmm. sure. I think. Yeah. Mm. I think the whole movement toward dropping gender, drop, dropping race, yeah. is that we are the same. 100%. And maybe it's also the death of what a man is. What is a woman? What is a That's very true. Yeah. Because it is just like, I guess we're all just beings. Yeah. Like, at, at core. Like we're all just, I don't know, this is all new to me, but I guess we're all just like souls that are just trying to find their way. There's no expectations. There's no path to walk. There's no like, this is how you do this. This is how life is going to be. Maybe our parents' generation sort of instilled that in us. It's like, hey, you're going to, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to university. Then you're going to get married. You're going to have kids. And that's just how life works. But like, I guess you realize you're like, there's no path. It's just, you have to just figure it out and do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird thing to explain actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and it makes it more challenging because yeah. at least if I knew I was going to get married, have kids, have this full-time job, retire when I'm 65. Mm. I mean, then it's laid out for me. That's a little bit easier. Yes. Yeah. But when you walk a path of least resistance, the Tao says, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like nothing is predictable. And and if it were, how boring. How boring. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. There's like one quote that I, I don't remember who said it, but I remember hearing Aubrey Marcus say it. And he said that like, um, never become perfect because you'll have no one to relate to. Whoa. And I was like, damn, like that's, that's huge. Cause no one is perfect. Like, yeah. what, even, what even is perfect? It's yeah. not a thing. Like, it would be a facade. It would be. Yeah. What, what are some of your favorite quotes? Um, with this whole radically open-minded thing, especially in like a lot of like, I started following like all those like Instagram pages that I know they're like directed towards women with all the inspirational quotes and stuff, but like they helped so much. Like, cause there was just so much perspective in certain things that they say on those pages. And I know that like, there's definitely not a lot of men that follow those pages, but for me, it was like huge. And I used to send them to a bunch of my friends who were all maybe going through stuff as well. Like mostly women, the same sort of thing. Cause they were more open to that kind of stuff. And when like different quotes like that and things would sink in, it was like pretty amazing. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I wish I could because they have no, helped me so much. I love that you're saying that because I mm. think right now who needs help is men. Yes, you know, 100% like agree. I think they're floundering. Whereas women, we've been starting to recognize like, oh, yeah. we're vulnerable. We're feeling yes, sad sure. and anxious, mm. and there needs to be more pillars for men yeah. to feel. And, and I guess that's what I was, that made me realize is that I need to like put this out there that, mm-hmm. and be vulnerable because of this image of this guy who is covered in tattoos and like works at a snowboard shop and is always really friendly when everyone comes in. Is like, like there was inside a part inside of me that was dead, but like I had a, I had a face on a mask on uh-huh. the whole time. So yeah. by me putting it on my Instagram and just being like, it's all on the table now. Everyone knows that this isn't what you see in the shop is me that is me. I am a nice person. I am friendly and I'm excited about snowboarding and that's, but there is, you never know what someone is going through. Like, Oh, preach. And the other thing I often think of is like comedians, for instance, where like Robin Williams, they're out there and they are, are entertaining us and they're bringing us so much joy. And on the inside, there's a part of them that's dying. Like it'll never be good enough. 
And I do believe it's a slippery slope, especially sure. when you are the light, the jokester, the joy one. Yes, yeah. You have lows as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess it is like everyone has the, well, there's the archetypes, right? Like, and a lot of people kind of focus on that, but yeah. I don't know. Like, it's, it's still all around that death of the ego and the mm-hmm. death of knowing or thinking who you are. Because it's like the person I was when I walked in this room is already dead. And I'm already a new person, right? So like, cause I'm learning, everyone's learning and growing and moving forward, but you have to like, really like accept that and understand that. And, and we have a tendency to color right now in with what was. Like I remember yes. Josh from, if I was stuck on Josh from a year ago, I couldn't yes. meet with you spontaneously. Of course, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. Actually, I just thought of one quote that did really sit with me, that was huge, was um, something Peter Crone said, and he said, um, it was when I was sitting there the whole time questioning of like, what could I have done differently to not be in this position? Whether it was with, with a girl, whether it was a relationship thing, whether it was just uh, where I was at in life. I kept saying like, oh, what if I did this? Or like, what, what if things went this way? And it was like, Peter Crone said, nothing could have ever been any different because it wasn't. There is no other possible outcome. Everything is the way it is because it is. Totally. And until you really like breathe that in and like let it sink, it's like so much more freedom because oh. you just like, it's just acceptance, mm-hmm. right? Of being like, that's, yeah, everything was, the, and now like I look at that summer was one of the most horrible times of my life. And, and sometimes I still will, like today I finally got my journal back out for the first time and since December 2nd was the last time I wrote in it. And I wrote in it every single day from like uh, August till December 2nd, every day I wrote in it and I haven't written in it at all. And even just reading some of the previous pages, I felt everything I felt in that moment, like physically. Mm. And it was like brutal. I've even had like where I saw a friend recently and she wasn't having the best day. And I remember really helping her. She came to me and I really helped her with just like things I'd learned, things I could say to her and helped her like get a bit more perspective about it. And then I remember getting home and I could feel, I remember looked in the mirror and I could instantly thought of the pain she was in. And I remembered that pain. And I fell to the floor. Like I literally fell to the ground because I was like, I could remember that pain so deeply and I don't think I'll ever forget it. Mm-hmm. But it, it is pretty nice to be able to like be on the other side of it or just be like, okay, that that was, and I know that that happened and it was important. Yeah. So as much as I hated the way I felt all summer, I would never change it mm. if I could. I never yeah. would because it needed, it needed to happen. Yeah, and it needed to be that aggressive to wake you up. 100%, mm-hmm. yeah. It needed to be the, the ton of bricks. It wasn't supposed to be like a linear thing. It was supposed to be like, we're going to pummel you so deep into the ground and you're going to have to get out. And you have gone through a major transformation, right? You had mentioned to me before that you used to be a little bit overweight. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Can you tell me about who you were when you were a little bit chubby? I guess so, yeah. I guess like... I was a bigger guy, that's for sure. Um, but I guess when I was back in Sydney, I was working the nine to five. I got really into cars. Um, I, when I was a kid, I was a surfer. All I did was surf. I had no money. Um, so all I did was surf all day, eat next to nothing. So I was in great shape. Um, and then as I got a bit older and I got my license, I got really into cars and I spent more time in the garage and I had a job. So I'd buy McDonald's and takeout and things like that all the time. And before I knew it, I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh. What have you done? Like, stop surfing. And I was like, all of a sudden, just like really chubby. And I was like, oh no, what have I done here? But um, luckily, my partner at the time, she never really said anything. (laughs) 
but she also was the same. We, we both just got really comfortable, you know, being 18, 19, having jobs and money. And we went out to dinner all the time and did like, you know, being adults for the first time or whatever. Yeah. Um, but not realized. And then, yeah, I remember that I, that was the time where I think I thought I was doing just fine, but I think I always actually was like masking maybe an internal battle mm-hmm. with just keeping busy. Like I'd always be in the garage working on my race car, like, you know, building it, whatever, like, and I'd be spending money and I'd spend every cent I got as an apprentice mechanic, which was nothing. And I'd spend everything I had. And then, but I think, yeah, that me as a person then was like, I had a great time, but I was very distracted. So I never did any self-help. So it was always like a distraction to the mm-hmm. car. So I was, I was always overweight. I was drinking energy drinks all the time. Like I was just like, you know, just like not a healthy person. Yeah. Um, and then I guess when I started the this more snowboard side of my life, um, even just before that, I joined the gym, realized I needed to um, lose some weight and things like that. But I also realized that it was like the nine to five never sat with me. I thought that's what you had to do. I thought that was the the path that, you know, that, you know, you have to get a job. And I always had, I've got three trades, but I just didn't like any of them. Mm. I didn't want to do any of them anymore. So it wasn't until I literally went and moved to a snow town and got a job in a snowboard shop with something I love and talked about snowboarding all day in weird schedules. And I had no money because I worked minimal hours. It was the happiest I'd ever been. And th- that was the realization um, um, when me and my wife at the time realized that she was like, this is the happiest I've ever seen you and you need to continue this. And I'm going to keep mm-hmm. chasing my dreams in Sydney. And that was when we made an unfortunate split. Um, which now in hindsight, we're, we both like are so thankful for each other that we did that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I think it speaks yeah. so loudly when couples can part yes. in an amicable way. Amicable yes. way. Um, I'm curious about snowboarding for you. Mm. Like, what is the feeling of, of it for you? Like, why do you love it so much? I guess it is. It is freedom. Like it, to me, it's like my brain turns off and it's just pure joy. Like. I think maybe last season was a little different for me because I was going through knee injury, um, maybe a little rocky in a relationship or not realizing, but I had, you know, when you have that inner feeling that something's not right, but you don't talk about it or whatever, maybe I went through that. And then, um, so I was feeling snowboarding was still good. I could turn my brain off, but I think my snowboarding ability was very stunted by maybe internal, nothing to do with the physical, mm-hmm. but, um, this season also, it was my first season working at Root Boys. So not that I've ever been egotistical with snowboarding, but I think I did feel like I wanted to be better because I worked in such a beautiful shop with amazing snowboarders and amazing people that I kind of wanted for myself to be better, to maybe like look better in the shop. Maybe like the ego was involved where um, this season snowboarding wise, I've progressed more than I have in years because I just was like snowboarding is my joy. And if I just go out and my goal, so my goal every time I go snowboarding now is to have the most amount of fun of anyone on that hill. Like no one is having more fun than I am. And I've progressed so much. You know, it's really interesting. So in the, in the program that I took for coaching, they talk about the highest level that someone could ever be mm-hmm. is a pure state of passion. So it's not about winning or losing. It's yeah. pure passion, pure joy. And uh, a client of mine is a professional skier. And he said, well, I'm an athlete. So it is about winning and losing. And I said, well, what if you drop that? And what if it was really just like, who could have the most fun, fun. out there? Yeah, and yeah. he, uh, we chatted after one of his races. He said, it's a complete game changer. I've stepped my game up. It feels different. Wow. Yeah. yeah I think you've nailed it. It's the same with yoga. Like they say the, the poses are gifted to you. For sure. Yeah. 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 So instead of trying to do the pose, I guess you just let it, 
you just enjoy it, try and enjoy it, and then it will probably happen. Yeah. Rather than trying so hard. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember the same thing. I even was trying to learn a certain trick last season, same sort of thing. And I, I remember trying to do it over and over and over and over, and I never got it. And then this season, I was just like, I'm just going to go have fun. And then one time, I, I, I jumped on a rail, and, and my body just did it. And I was like, I just did that trick that I've been trying for three years, first try, and I wasn't trying to do it. Whoa. It's just like, because I was in the moment of, I was having so much fun, my body was like, you know how to do this. And my, the ego was gone. It wasn't like I need to land this trick. It was just like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're still going to have fun if you don't land it. And no one cares if you don't land it. And then all of a sudden it just happened. Now I can do so much more because I'm just like, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm just uh -huh. doing it for me. This is all for me. Oh, I love that. Mm. And what advice would you give to people in a position where they're struggling, be it relationship, but they're having like anxiety and, and depression and they're not really fitting in? Mm. What would be your advice? Um, it definitely comes back to that being radically open-minded. Like look for sources that don't make sense to you. Don't fight anything. If you've always been a person that's like, oh, I'm not into spiritual things or just try it and be open-minded about it. When you're in that horrible part of depression, especially where you feel like nothing will ever make you feel good again, misery loves company. You get addicted to it. Like you want, almost want to be upset. You want to cry. You want to be sad. And I went through the same thing, but you also have to have a part of you that wants to be better. Mm -hmm. And if you really do want that, like you will, you'll figure it out. Yeah. But you also have to just be like willing to try anything. Like yeah. I did the weirdest stuff. I went on hikes by myself. Like I went on, I, I, I did so many hikes solo. Just put my headphones in, listen to podcasts, listen to music. I did a two hour hike where I think I cried the whole way, nonstop. Like I just, I, I was so sad. And, I, and all of my body was telling me in that moment was like, you're just going to be sad right now. I just had to do that. Yeah. You know how it is being like a big tattooed guy walking on a trail, like trying to like hide your eyes from other people coming the other way by yourself, like just crying. But like, that's okay. Like it's, It is because emotion, it, like it translates as to, mo to move. Definitely. And, yes. and like you yeah, can wow. shove it down, you can eat it down, you can screw it away, yeah. but it's still going to live there in your yeah. belly. Yeah. And it's always going to, the more you pile it up, it's just mm. going to come back worse. So if you let it out when it needs to come out in yeah. any way shape or form whether that's you're crying or whether that's you just being in your room alone or going for a walk like just do it mm. like, it doesn't matter like because i am a very giving person I, I really love doing things for people like it makes me happy but i didn't realize that i was actually using it as a distraction mm. so i'd go and be like overly nice to everyone which I, is me i wasn't doing that as a front but i didn't realize that i wasn't giving myself Oh, yeah. That time. Yeah. And it wasn't actually until I started um, experimenting with like psilocybin, like magic mushrooms, essentially, and trying to do micro, I started microdosing them. And then mm -hmm. they have, have been like, they're not going to be for everyone, but for me, they were very detrimental to making me more aware and open and clear minded to think more rationally. Yeah. And that was experimenting with them was, it was huge. And the fact that then not use more in, all sorts of therapy and stuff like that is blowing my mind. Oh, just, yeah. Because they're very beautiful. Like, obviously, like, I think most people have probably experimented in a sense of they maybe eating them and then just laughed with their friends and had a good time or the trees might have been moving a bit, stuff like that. But it's not until you actually, like, the use of mushrooms and then be by yourself. And then for me, it was staring in a mirror. Mm -hmm. Like, I had the most vivid experience where I did a... Um, I didn't fast, but I sort of didn't really eat much during the day. Okay. And I locked myself in my room and I put on a certain playlist, which is called the John Hopkins Psilocybin Study. And it's a university that studies 
um, mushrooms or something. I actually, like, I don't even want to say that, but this is what I sort of like gathered is that these guys knew what they were talking yeah. about. And I just went with, all right, whatever, I'm going to try it. And I actually had a realization that was probably my biggest breakthrough in my depression was in that, that trip that, um, the first part of the, of the trip was that I, I saw all these different females in my life. I'm very close with females. I feel more comfortable talking with females. I'm not sure why. I, I still like obviously have a lot of male friends and stuff, but maybe when on topics like this and deeper stuff, it is a lot easier to talk to females about it. Um, but I saw these different females in my life like coming up to me and they were just walking past me in this weird like ethereal plane. It looked like an elven garden from Lord of the Rings, but everything was like see-through, nothing was solid and it was beautiful, right? Like I was never scared. The whole thing was just magical. And all these different people who were important in my life were just walking past me. And they'd all be walking past me with this, they wouldn't say anything, but they just had this smile of like, I'm so proud of you. And that was like, it was huge. And I was just sitting there being like, smile. I remember myself smiling. This is all in meditation. And I could see, I could feel myself smiling and so happy and like, like, I felt so loved mm -hmm. to the point where I saw like, you know, ex-partners, good friends, like all sorts of people coming and just smiling and just being so proud of me. And then I saw um, my mom and she was the same thing. She was very happy. And then I saw my sister and everyone else was sort of walking like past me in this trip. And my sister was walking straight at me. I haven't seen my sister in three years. And she walked up to me and she just held me and I could feel her hugging me. And that was, this is all just in my room in meditation mm. and I could feel her holding me and she didn't say anything. She just looked up at me and it was the same thing of like, I'm so proud of you. So incredible to me to have someone who, cause I haven't spoken in depth about my mental health with my siblings either. They're very, being very supportive, but we haven't had like open conversations about it. Cause I still feel like I'm the, I'm the eldest. I have to be the strongest. So I, I don't feel comfortable about it still. Yeah. Um, even though that's silly. Um, but yeah, that was the first part of my trip. And then the second part, I remember my, it was a full moon and there was something that said to me, it almost sometimes got in so intense that my brain would be like, sit up. And I'd be like, okay. And then it would be like, drink water. I'd be like, okay. Like, <laughs> and then it'd be like, lay back down. I'd be like, yep, okay. <laughs> no it's like, it was like, I was a passenger, but it was like, it was really good. But, and then I remember my brain was like, you need to go look at the moon. And I was like, okay. So I went outside my bedroom and I went into the living room. This was like 11 o'clock at night. So everyone was asleep. I went and I sat at the moon. And it was full moon, it was beautiful. And I could feel like a crazy amount of energy. Like I had tingles all over me. Like my hair was standing up and I just felt so good. Like I felt like, like so sure of where I was supposed to be. Everything was meant to be happening to me at that exact moment in the exact way it was. Mm -hmm. And then my brain, oh, the mushrooms, I don't know, said to me like, hey, like, so you love where you live. And I was like, I do love where I live. Like it's beautiful here. Like, and then it was like, yeah. And then you love snowboarding. I'm like, I do. And it's like, you get to do that all the time. And I was like, yeah. And it's like, you love your job? I was like, yeah, I do love my job. And then it, it kept saying all these things of like, things I loved so much. It's like, you love your truck. You love your like, all these like silly things, right? And I was like, you're right. And then it's like, you love your tattoos. And I was like, I do love my tattoos. And it was like, you love your long hair. I was like, I, also, I do love my long hair. And it was like this huge realization of self-love that it made me realize that like, and then it stopped me and it was like, so you love yourself. And I was like, damn, I do love myself. I was like, this is massive. Like, I actually do really love who I am. Like. And that was huge. And then, and then it was weird. It took like a, not a spiral, but it, then it stopped. And it was like, yeah, let me like breathe that in for a minute. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was like, this is all while staring at a full moon just being like, well, you know, amazed, like just, just amazed. And then it was like, but you have depression. And I was like, whoa, whoa, mushrooms. Like, what yeah, are you, no. hey, come on, come on. Like, we're, I thought we were doing good here. Like what's going on? And then it was like, and that, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess I do have depression. And it was like, and that's a part of you. And I was like, 
yes, that's a part of me. And it was like, but, but you love yourself and you love every part of you. And I was like, I, yeah, like I do, I do love every part of you. And it was like, you have to love your depression. Mm. You have to like, it was acceptance. And that was like, that was the biggest breakthrough I had in, uh. in my depression of accepting that it is a part of me, but it doesn't define me, mm-hmm. but it just, it is a part of me. And, that, and I just, once I accepted that, I was like, wow, like, that's okay. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, like he's depressed or he has depression. I was just like, I think everyone does. There's maybe it hasn't come up yet or everyone deals with it in different ways, but the acceptance of it, which I didn't think was to me, not necessarily possible maybe without psilocybin, but it is very possible. It's just a, it's just a state. That was your way. That was my way of yeah. my, my brain slowing down, unlocking it, thinking more clear. And it was incredible. And then I remember just lying there and just being like, Oh my gosh, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. It was oh. amazing. It was, yeah. it's, it's like if you were afraid there was a ghost under your bed yeah. and you were just all night, like I was pee the bed. Cause I'm yeah, so exactly. afraid. I'm not moving. I'm not lifting these yeah, covers. I'm no, just going to sit here. It's yeah. going to get me. Yeah. But if I turn on the lights, look under my bed and maybe there is a monster, but the yeah. light is on. So what you've done is just called the shadow into the light. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Just like you can't shame, shame away. You can't judge no. judgment away. You yeah. can't depress depression. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. You just, it's, it was huge acceptance and it was that that gives you so much freedom yeah. when you do accept that you are the way you are but it doesn't necessarily like define who you are Mm-mm. it's just like it's a very interesting part of yeah. you mm-hmm. makes you interesting yeah uh and where are you gonna go like what's your plan of of life i have like i think we were talking about this the other day and i sort of realized that like right now in the way the world is currently it's giving us all like a very big sense of being present. So I always sort of had a plan. Where am I going next? I live my life winter to winter. So I was like, okay, I'm in Australia now doing my Australian winter. Am I gonna go to Japan? Am I gonna go to Canada? Like, where am I gonna go next? What resort in Japan am I gonna go do a job at? Where can I get jobs at? Things like that. So that was always my like next step. But then with COVID grounding me, not being able to travel, um, cause I guess I was supposed to go back to Australia this summer and do another winter, but I got stuck here and then decided to stay. And then this is when I had all this realization. So it was meant to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I guess right now I'm just kind of just living day by day. Like, I love that. I love the mountains. I know I belong in the mountains, whether that's Banff, Revelstoke, I don't know, wherever, whatever mountain town. Um, I'm just realizing that I'm like, I'm not going to plan anything currently. I'm just going to enjoy myself and live in the present moment and try and just be enjoying what I have in front of me mm-hmm. right now. There's just a bit of a, a whisper of perhaps like a podcast or like a whisper <laughs> of, yes. of like helping other people. But yes. the whisper, the whisper will get louder. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I guess. Yeah. Can... That is definitely something that I've, I have been thinking about. It's almost like saying it wasn't even me being like, oh, maybe I should start a podcast. It was just like, you need to start a podcast. You get called to it. Yeah. And sure. it was like, and then you need to talk to all these people and you need to start talking about mental health. Yeah. And it's going to help people. Oh. 100%. Because that, that whisper, I think, really is something telling me that I'm supposed to help people. Oh, yeah. They say your pain directs your path. Mm, yeah, definitely. You are the teacher you never had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good one, actually. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you know, yeah. whenever I'm creating content, doing programming, I always try to be that Aaron is the avatar mm. because I feel like I can, I've never got what I wanted, so I give what I would want. Okay. You yeah. Know? Wow. So it's like yeah. I, I I make sure. Does this avatar like it? Is it gonna help that avatar? Yeah. 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 And it is that same thing. I guess everyone has something in them like that. Like, 
it is every time that you're at our place or whatever. And I can, I imagine like every time it's like such, the first question you ask me is always so wholesome. It makes me think so deeply. And I'm just like, not negatively, just like really great. And I'm like, wow, like you, you give me so much perspective. And that's why it's really great to, that's why I was so happy when you asked me to come oh. on. Cause I was like, I know this is going to be a good conversation. It's just so. such a delight to see you. Um, and before we close, I'm curious, what book would you recommend or what are your oh, favorite man. books? Okay. This is going to sound really bad, but, I have such severe ADHD that I can't read properly. So I read, I do audiobooks if anything. Mm-hmm. And the last one that I actually listened to the whole way through was a book called High Magic by Damien Eccles. Okay. Damien Eccles was uh, imprisoned wrongly for like, he was in solitary confinement for 11 years because he lived in a very small town in, I think it was like South America, sorry, sorry, in like Texas somewhere and he was like this small town him and his buddy were into meditation and sort of like you know they were in metal and like they were the different kids in a very religious town so two i think i believe i could be wrong here but i think it was like two young boys got murdered and the police basically just pinned it on the metalheads or these kids that were into spiritual stuff and so they got wrongly imprisoned for a long time and he learned a meditation practice Mm. and he used manifestation and just all these beautiful things that kind of correlate from all different ways um, to help himself get through solitary confinement to the point where he was doing practices that was like calling in archangels into the room with him and he was became friends with them and was hanging out and talking to them and I was that was interesting so yeah I like that kind of stuff too I've yes. just started to follow uh, Abraham Hicks oh yeah yeah I'm, yeah I'm actually really enjoying yeah. it at first I thought nah but yeah. but I, I love it yeah it's really great like I find Abraham Hicks is amazing uh, Peter Crone okay. he's incredible he calls himself the mind architect mm, cool. um, I think I definitely listen to a lot of more podcasts than I do actually read but yeah yeah anything that's going to help me uh, give me perspective yeah I really like yeah, keep your eyes open. Yeah, just different ways of thinking to try and stop the cloudiness. Because sometimes yeah. you get clouded with a lot of things and it's really cool to have someone to help you think clearer. And often with Peter Crone uses words. Like words are really important because it's our language, right? Mm-hmm. In our, for our beings, I guess. So like having those words help you um, understand. Yeah. Even though sometimes I have to listen to the podcast three or four times over because I have no idea what he's saying because the words are way bigger than my schooling career <laughs> than when I did listen. So. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say, yeah, podcasts have been huge for me. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I love podcasts. Um, and then lastly, tell me who is your biggest inspiration? Oh, wow. It's actually Abby, my, my manager. She's an incredible human. She's done a lot, like a lot. And she's so driven and motivated and a huge inspiration for me especially snowboarding life just everything it's wild because they say that when the student is ready the teacher appears she's also so adorable she looks like one of the olsen twins she does (laughs) so cute the funny thing about abby as well is that we actually grew up um so she she grew up in australia so and she grew up like not even 10 minutes from where i did yeah, we're just on diff- sort of slightly different timelines. So we never knew each other, but like she was like 10 minutes from where I grew up was where she grew up. But she, oh. she moved to Canada quite early, but yeah. Oh, that's so, so it's, cool. It's well, weird how paths sort of cross like that. I know. Mm. Even you and Sarah, and I heard mm. about you, and she was telling me about this guy, yeah. and then I searched him. I'm like, he's so cool. And then I got to meet you, and <laughs> I'm like, you. he's even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> 
thankful. Well, thank you so much. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, would there be a way to get a hold of you? For sure. It's definitely my Instagram is probably the best. Um, It's the dog god. It's a lot, but I'm sure we'll put it up somewhere so you can. I will. And so the reason that's his tag is (laughs) apparently he knows Every dog in town. <laughs> I, do. I know the dog's names before I know the owner's. It's bad. But um, yes, I don't know what it is about dogs, but they've, I've always had some sort of weird connection to them. And they bring me immense amount of joy. Yeah. Because they're, they're so pure. And it doesn't... They know as well, but they don't judge. Dogs don't judge. Very cool. Well, thank you so much thank for your Thank you so much time. for having me on. It's, it's been great. Yeah, thank you. What a great reminder to share your story. Anything that you might deem as shameful is likely experienced by a lot of other people. And as we share more and more about our mental health, the more we're able to change the world by making it normal and helping each other. We're stronger together. If you liked what you heard, be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast. I love you. Paddle forwards.